our sinful nature. What do we do to rectify this sinful condition we are in, in this life? How do we overcome any form of sin? Peter said to them, repent. That means to turn completely and follow Him. Change your mind. Change your heart. Dedicate yourself to the Lord. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. If you want to have your sins forgiven, Peter said, and I agree, because it's not my message to change, and it wasn't his either. If you want your sins forgiven, you need to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He's saying you were going to receive the same experience you just saw us receive. It's not going to be any different for you. You're going to receive it the same way. The Spirit of the Lord is going to fall on you. And you're going to begin to speak in a heavenly language. In other tongues you do not understand as the Spirit gives you the utterance. For the promise is just for us right now. That's not what Peter said. So the promise is unto you. If you read the Amplified or other versions, it says the promise of the Holy Spirit. It's unto you, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. With many other words that he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from the untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. They obeyed immediately. And the same day there added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly. They kept on going in the apostles' teaching. And again, this wasn't just the apostles' teaching. This is the teaching they received from Jesus Christ. And in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. They didn't quit praying. They continued steadfastly in praying. And fear came upon every soul. It means a reverence and a trust for God. It came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. And sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men and every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved there's a lot of words here continued daily they were in the service of the Lord daily continually in the service of the Lord So again, we're just going to see where the Lord leads today, but God wants to just remind us that our Christian service is not one day a week. We call this worship service, but this is only to prepare us for the real service that begins when we leave this building. Our service in our community, to our neighbors, to our family. We can't be content to just come and be saved while the rest of the world perishes and dies. And lest anyone try to say something crazy, I'm not saying anybody who's not a part of this church is automatically lost. That's not what I'm saying. But there's a lot of people in this area that are not 
right with Jesus Christ. There are way too many people that are bound by sin and addiction. And one reason I'm really fired up today is because there's been flares up in my own family, not my wife and daughters, but my siblings and other people in my family. And it's all because they won't surrender to Jesus. But I'm not going to give up on them. I'm not going to decide, well, it looks like they're not going to change, so I'm going to just, I'm going to just make sure I'm saved. That's not going to happen. I know I can't save them. But I will pray for them. I will love them. I will care for them in every opportunity I have. I will try to serve them as Christ would serve them. Let us just pray one more time. Dismiss the Sunday school. They're already heading out, but just so they know it's okay. Let's ask the Lord to minister to our hearts today, to speak to us individually today. God would want to challenge every one of us, starting with me and everybody else, to be more involved with Christian service, to be about our Father's business. Lord, we're thankful for your word today. We're thankful for the example of your word. Because today there's opinions everywhere. There's quote-unquote experts everywhere. And with social media, it's even more broadcast. Everybody's opinion, everybody's opinion, everybody's opinion. But Lord, we still have your word to stand on. Your word is the anchor for our soul. Your word is what makes us wise unto salvation. So Lord, I don't want to just take somebody else's word for it. I want to get it from your word. I'm not condemning anybody else. I I desire like you because of your love in me that all would be saved. But I know that your word is truth. And if people don't obey your word, they will not be saved. And that's not your desire. So let us as a church today have a passion and a zeal to see everyone who can be saved, be saved. To make sure we're doing our part to see that lives are set free. This city doesn't need a a church that's going to behave like a social club. This city doesn't need another, just a church that's going to just go through the motions and be content This church needs a city where they can walk through the doors and the power of God will set them free. It needs a church where they will be loved and accepted with the love of Christ and encouraged to grow and mature in Christ. They need a church that will not compromise the truth because of peer pressure. A church that will look to Your Word and Your Word alone. We need to be humble. We need to be kind. But we need to be bold. And we need to be strong. Your word will save us, Jesus. Your word alone will save us. And we look to your word for a few moments today. That it will speak to our hearts. It will minister to our hearts today, Jesus. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In Jesus' name, you can be seated today. The Lord wants to see His church behave the way it was designed to behave. Just like individuals, because individuals are the church, are to be surrendered to His service and are to give their lives to His service and to yield their members as instruments of righteousness, so His church needs to behave in the manner in which He designed it to behave. He wants us to minister to the spiritual person as well as the natural person. He wants us to be balanced in our ability to meet the needs of others, both spiritually and naturally as much as possible. But when one must be chosen, I would rather minister to the the spiritual part that will live forever. We need to have the authority in the Spirit. And the Bible says some of this authority only comes by what? Anybody? Prayer and fasting. Some of the authority we need to see people set free is only going to happen when we really pray and fast. We can't get weary in well-doing. We can't get weary because God doesn't answer our prayer in two minutes. We must continue to pray. And again, looking at the example of Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was not a short prayer that said, Lord, please save everybody. And if not, that's their choice. Thank you. Good night. It was agony. He agonized so much over what was before him that involved saving the lost that his sweat was mingled with blood. There was a passion, an earnest desire to see people saved. And I just feel like sometimes in America, I'm, I'm just speaking in general terms. Again, I have no agenda against any particular denomination or church. Just the, the Christian church in general in America, there's this, uh, there's this uh, pressure to just sit back in an easy chair, kick up our feet, and make sure that everybody who comes is just comfortable. Be comfortable in the house of God. Be comfortable with each other. Everything needs to be comfortable. Comfort does not come without warfare. Comfort does not come without fighting. Freedom is never free. The reason we are free today is because countless people have shed their blood on foreign soil. We don't like to think about that, but that's the fact. The reason we are free today is because people gave up their comfort so that we would remain free. And again, there's a balance. We need to understand that we're not always in the clouds, so to speak. We're not always just floating off the ground. In fact, I never do. <laughs> but we're not, we're not in this 
eternal spiritual state. We live in the flesh right now. Our spirit lives in the flesh. So we, we have to be relatable to people. We have to learn the wisdom to communicate the gospel and the reality of eternity in wisdom and love and kindness and compassion. But none of those things mean compromise. Telling people to be comfortable in their condition if that condition is sinful is sending them to hell comfortably. But in hell they will not be comfortable. I would rather be uncomfortable here and comfortable in eternity than be comfortable here and uncomfortable for eternity. We have to hold on to the truth. We have to learn to tell people in love what they need to do to be saved. It's not always going to be comfortable to confront someone's sin. They're not going to be happy with you most times. Every once in a while you get lucky and someone says, thank you. I needed to hear that. You're watching out for my soul. But most of the time, no matter how kind you are, they would rather spit on you. Sorry if I'm not painting it nice and rosy like some preachers tend to do. God never promised following Him and be involved in His service would produce a mansion and a nice vehicle. If that happens, praise God. I don't despise that. I rejoice with you. But that's not what is promised. But whatever we have to endure here will be worth it over there. We will never feel bad about giving something up here to get there. We'll never feel bad about an uncomfortable conversation here to get there. We have to be eternally minded. In the ministering deliverance to the captives, sight to the blind, healing to those that are broken, sometimes it'll be a very quick, supernatural, almost instantaneous process through prayer. Sometimes that will happen. But other times it's going to be a consistent, sacrificial, long-suffering investment in someone's life while they go up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. Because that's what Jesus calls us to do. To love people. To minister to people. To have grace to people. To lay down our lives for our friends. Just again, repeating some things the Lord spoke to me about. But we, we do need to be able to enjoy life together. Today's a pretty serious service. And there needs to be some of these sometimes. But we also need to have fun together. That's why we have life groups and we have other fellowship outside of the worship service. Because we need to have fun together too. If you can't ever laugh, there's something wrong with you. You need to be able to laugh and have fun. 
You need to be able to be a fun and enjoyable person to be around. Yes, we need that. We need to be able to relate to people and give them practical aspects to walk in abundant life that Jesus provides. We need to be good employees. I'll say that again. We need to be good employees. Because that's a form of witness. By working hard. By being a respectful person. By doing what is asked of us to do. If you can't do what's required, it's better to excuse yourself from the job. Being a good employee seems to be way too practical, but it's important. Not going around acting like we own the place or we deserve the promotion just because we pray. We need to be good neighbors. We need to love those around us. We need to serve others whenever we possibly can. Because in doing so, we are showing the love of God. There is a time to minister and operate in the Spirit. But walking in the Spirit doesn't always mean we are in a heavenly realm. We understand there are gifts of the Spirit that we've, we've taken time on midweek to talk about in, in 1 Corinthians 12-14. through 14. There's gifts of the Spirit that are supernatural. But Romans also gives us, Romans 12 gives us some very practical gifts. Romans chapter 12. Starting with verse 13, it says, The Lord distributed to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Excuse me, I jumped way too far down. Start with verse number 5. So we being many are one body in Christ, and everyone members of one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or teaching on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. And let me read that from the Amplified Version, or the New Living Translation, a little more modern language. See, these are practical things. He's given us the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is to give, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Love each other with genuine affection. The gospel is more than spiritual. It's practical to everyday life. Christian service involves more 
than just prayer and fasting and operating in the gifts of the Spirit. It is what God wants us to be active in every day of our life. We desire more supernatural miracles. And that's probably where we lack more than in other areas is supernatural miracles. But we also need to be serving people in our society. We need to be willing to take the time to minister to their needs if in the flesh first, then in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit is not necessarily a mystical, out-of-body experience. Again, we, we think of it sometimes as this, this mystical thing, this far-off and hard-to-attain thing when we talk about walking in the Spirit. But what we're really saying is, I'm listening to the voice of God. And hardly ever, and in my life, never, is it an audible voice. But God impresses things on your spirit. You learn to understand it's God speaking to me. Just like Samuel, he didn't know that the Lord was speaking to him at first. It took a few times and some instruction from the man of God. Then he understood it was God speaking. God wants to give us direction in our lives. You don't have to be a prophet to hear from God. You just need to be willing to listen. Not only are we having a hard time listening to others, we have a hard time listening to God. Because our minds are so busy, so occupied with life, so worried about getting to the next task and doing the next thing, that we can't hear God saying, would you please slow down? And do this. Obviously, we ought to do what we know to do is good. The Bible says if we know what to do and we don't do it, it's sin. But beyond that, there are times when you really ask God to talk to you where you're going to hear the voice of God tell you, go talk to this person. Very specifically. Go pray for this person. This person has that issue. Go minister to them. If you will listen, He will, he will speak to you. Why am I saying these things? Not to make you feel bad. Not to say you're not doing enough. I'm saying these things to challenge us because our world is dying. People are dying. At every tick of the clock, somebody is dying. Every second we're here in service, there are people dying all over the world. I'm not saying that to be morbid. I'm not saying that to be weird or negative. I'm saying that because it's true. We can ignore it because it's too uncomfortable to think about it and do anything about it. Or we can acknowledge it and do everything we can to minister so that the next person goes has heard of Jesus. Again, Acts 6 shows us there was a balance in the early church. Acts chapter 6. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, 
The New Living Translation says, there were rumblings of discontent. So the church is growing and people are being discontented. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers. The enemy tried to sow discord in the church. The enemy tried to sow discontent and he used the race card. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers. Saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so brothers, select seven men who are well respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them the responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. So the people were upset because the widows were not being cared for. The, the ministry to the physical person was not being fulfilled. But the apostles, with the wisdom of God, understood this was not good. So they appointed people to do it. So they didn't neglect it further. But they also said, we also need to make sure that we are in the Word of God. We need to run food to people, but we also need to teach the Word of God. Christianity is perhaps the greatest source of charity worldwide. It's probably not even close. As much as the world wants to bash Christianity most hospitals, most colleges, universities were started a long time ago by Christians. But Christianity is not just charity. If we are not teaching people the Word, we are doing them a disservice. Feeding their mouths but not their souls is a disservice. Sometimes you have to feed their mouth a while until God says, okay, now feed their soul. There's wisdom. There's timing. But we need to try to minister to both. The physical man and the spiritual man. And that's also why we can't just think, look at the world and let the world guilt us as a church into following the Word of God by saying, it's not nice to say certain things are not acceptable. The issue is not about nice. The issue is about God's design. He alone created the world. He alone has the authority to choose how we are accountable to Him and to each other. And finally, Romans chapter 6. We'll close with this. As you're turning there, the, again, the balance we understand is hopefully over time the Lord will give us more and more wisdom about it, but the enemy we face is not flesh and blood. So just getting mad at people and cursing people isn't going to do any good. 
What is going to do good is going to war in the Spirit. I can go away from someone and be upset and angry about what happened and go take it out in prayer. I'm not going to take it out to their face by the grace of God. I'm going to take it out in prayer. I'm going to come to the house of God and I'm going to pray. And I'm going to wage war in the Spirit because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Romans 6, 14. Our response to all the stuff that's going on in the world around us as Christians is laid out here. We read the verses about the practical gifts that God has given in the church and the body of Christ. And he finishes this chapter. Romans 12, rather, is where I want to be. Romans 12 and verse 14. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Bless them that persecute you and curse not. Again, we've got to understand this balance. We don't war against the flesh. We war against the spirit. We hate the sin and we love the sinner. We rejoice with them that do rejoice. And we weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. In other words, don't be an arrogant jerk. It's my translation. You can say the right thing in the wrong way and be wrong. If you don't speak the truth in love, you'd be better off not opening your mouth. Repay to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. So standing against sin is not trying to be fighting with others. Standing against sin is really a desire that they will be at peace with God. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. If someone comes against you, let God take care of it. Give it to the Lord. He is the just judge. He's saying, I will repay it. You are my child. It's my responsibility to take care of this, not yours. Don't carry it out yourself. Don't repay evil with evil. Therefore, if thy enemy hunger, feed him. This is foolishness to the world. 
If your enemy is hungry, why wouldn't you let him starve? Then you don't have an enemy anymore. It doesn't make sense to the carnal mind. But Christ says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Now that sounds like punishment. And people say this phrase, kill him with kindness. But it doesn't mean literally kill them. It doesn't mean burn their head. It doesn't mean that. It means that hopefully in reaching out to them in love, you will turn them to repentance. If you'll really study out what it's saying in the context, it's saying that you're going to bring possibly shame to them, but shame that will produce repentance. So your desire and your motive in being kind is to see them be saved. And this verse has been playing over and over in my mind and all that's been going on in our world and all the conflict and all the, the havoc. Be not overcome of evil. But overcome evil with good. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And again today, I don't necessarily like being all over the place. But I'm just trying to, this is the way the Lord gave it to me this week. I like everything to fall in structure. But somebody needs to hear this part of it. Be not overcome of evil but overcome evil with good. In your situation, instead of yelling louder than the other person, instead of hitting harder than the other person, that's what our flesh says to do. Instead of getting one up on somebody, overcome their evil with good. You know what's really good? Praising God. Praising God is never wrong. It's always right. So if you're so confused, you don't know what could possibly be done, that's good. Just begin praising God. Begin worshiping God. We could stand today. Begin praying for them. Lord, I'm not going to give in to this I'm not going to let this rule my life. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to become what I despise. So many times we're raised in certain environments and it takes the grace of God and it takes years for us to be different even though we hated growing up in it. Right? Maybe it's just me. Two other people. But we despise that environment yet we repeat it because... We've been overcome of evil. But God wants to help us overcome the evil with good. And we've all made many mistakes in our past, but you know the best way to remedy 
those mistakes. Obviously, only Jesus can forgive us. Obviously, only He can save us. Don't misinterpret and say, I'm saying you're saved by works. I'm not saying that. But after you repent, avenge your disobedience with obedience. Love covers a multitude of sins. Not just His love, but our love. If someone sins against me, my love can cover their sin. My love can cover what they've done by not retaliating, not, re- not responding in kind, but loving them to their face and then going to a place of prayer and saying, Lord, that hurt really bad what they said to me. That hurt really bad what they've done to me. But I refuse to give in to evil. I refuse to become another bitter person in this bitter world. I refuse to let my love get cold in a world that needs the warmth of your love. I'm not going to let the circumstances of life get me indifferent and bitter and frustrated. But I want to stay on fire with your love. I want to stay full of your passion. I want to stay full of your zeal. And as Spurgeon said, if someone must perish, if someone must enter eternity without knowing you, let them do it as they step over our bodies that are laid across their path to say, I'm here to tell you, Jesus loves you. Jesus wants to save you. Jesus can deliver you. Jesus can set you free. Jesus is the answer. I want to be sold out to your cause, Lord. I want to be sold out to your cause. I don't want to be conformed to this world, but I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind as I pray, as I read the Bible, as I seek your face. You're not alone if you get confused sometimes. You're not alone if you are dismayed by all this in the world. You're not alone if you're overwhelmed. But like David, we have to say, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I don't know how I'm going to come out of it. I don't know how He's going to deliver me. But I know I've got Jesus to hold to. And as long as I hold on to Jesus... I'm going to be with Him in eternity someday. As long as I give all of myself to Jesus, as long as I surrender to Him,